my Valentine's Day was great. Uh, Wayne took me to a comedy show. Ooh. He said I have a terrible sense of humor, though, because he said that I asked him what all the jokes meant at the end of the show. It was a special show for, um, it was like featuring black comedians. And so they had um, jokes about black people. Like, yes, yeah, it was good, though. What does it say that you didn't get the jokes? <laughs> <laughs> I was just stressed. I had a work deadline. And so I don't think I could fully let my hair down and enjoy all of what it had to offer because I was just thinking about getting my grant in all the time. Word, um, word. But it was good to see black comedians and specifically black Chicago comedians and, you know, seeing the house full of, you know, black people. So it was word, good. Word, word, word. What about you? Yeah, uh, well, when I think of Valentine's Day, I think of love in general. It's a day of loving. I remember using, uh, in the past, getting gifts from mom. Hmm, um, she was sweet, so. Yeah, she used to give me Valentine's Day gifts, and that just made me think of love in general. Aww. And not necessarily just romantic love, but um, I think now in my older age, uh, <laughs> I do think like a romantic kind of love. And um, I do think about boo things. Yeah, yeah. What'd you do? And just love in general. Oh, me and my partner made an agreement that we weren't doing anything mm. uh, because it was like a Wednesday. Y'all, I got a full-time job. <laughs> I don't know how y'all be. Welcome to adulthood. Y'all be taking shirts. Y'all be doing all, all this other stuff. I be working. <laughs> and I used to not have a nine to five. And I used to only work like, three days a week <laughs> and I don't realize I didn't realize like how do y'all have time to text or do anything but work because I'll be at work working correct it's wild to me people, wild. people be like you didn't see my messages blah blah I was like yeah because I was literally working <laughs> like in the past in my past job I just ignored y'all now I'm like actively working so um but yeah so we agreed not to do anything and to hold off for the weekend but I don't think you did anything. This is the weekend, isn't it? No, it was, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, oh, we sent each other lovely messages. So I am, as many would say, I'm a, a bird, officially a bird, because my love language is gifts. Um, I so, don't know what that means, bird. Like a bird, like for the streets, like, <laughs> you know, uh, not of class, because <laughs> you like the unclassy thing, but you're a bird. Bird, I've squat. never heard of that. Okay. Okay. I'm getting, so you don't like I'm, classy things. I'm getting why you didn't get the black joke. <laughs> <laughs> You're so rude. Oh my gosh, it's all connected. Welcome back, listeners. We hope you had a good Valentine's Day and a even better Black History Month. Shout out to the Black folks all around the world. Uh, this episode, we will be talking about polyamory. So make sure you listen in and get this good info. I say Valentine's with an M. Just so you know. <laughs> Y'all, here we go. Start the episode. So when I think about love, right, and I think about partnership, I, I'm. Uh, have you heard of polyamory? Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you tell me what it is? Can I tell you what it is? Yes. Like literally For poly 200. means many and amor, amor means love. So many love if you like put the two words together, polyamory. So that means to me that you can love many people or be in love, have a relationship with many partners. 
Okay, someone took Latin class in my eighth grade. <laughs> I <laughs> sure. did. Do you, do you care to share any more about what you think it might be composed of? Like what it looks like in real life versus just like what a definition might be? Yeah, a definition. And both, if they help to answer the question. Um, I guess it could look like open relationships, mm. right? Like if you and a partner or a few partners decide that like, you're not going to be exclusive or committed to one person. It could maybe look like that. Um, how else could it look like in the wild? I mm. mean, maybe not having a relationship with anybody, like not being like we are this like couple and we're going to allow people in, but just more being like kind of a free spirit and loving who you love and not mm. like putting any definitions on that maybe. Mm. Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with like, if it if it crosses over to like sexual orientation at all, mm. I imagine that it's different, but it could be connected. Like you just like love a person or love people, you know, right? And not saying that the gender has to look a certain way or be a certain way. I imagine that they're different, but they probably could go hand in hand. Yeah, you that last part that you talked about. Um, I'm going to get into some stuff, but I just want to point out since you mentioned it, that idea of sexual orientation. So I think what you're talking about is maybe a combination of uh, someone identifying as pansexual, mm -hmm. um, but also poly. And actually, people who are polyamorous, uh, might you might see them on like Grindr or whatever that identify themselves as poly, as more of a sexual orientation. So we have started mm. to see that more. But uh, the mission I just tasked you with, Researchers have tasked themselves with, and quite <laughs> quite recently, honestly, uh, Cardoso, Pascal, and Miachi, uh, in a um, qualitative study in 2021, they asked specifically, and this is important, lay people, mm -hmm. lay people, so general, generally everyone, mm -hmm. uh, what does polyamory mean? Just so you know, for an idea, they had about 463 participants who are age 18 to 66, mostly heterosexual, but 60%. So more uh, representation than in other studies for um, uh, queer folk. Uh, and then um, of th that population, though, 54% reported that they were in a monogamous relationship, uh, followed by 21 saying that they weren't percent, that they weren't in a relationship, and 13% of people were in a non-monogamous relationship. One thing to know, uh, especially for folks if they're looking at up stuff for themselves, uh, you might see polyamorous come up in some research studies as consensual non-monogamy. Mm -hmm. So uh, just as um, another term. So uh, for folks who uh, were not in a polyamorous uh, relationship, um, they defined uh, polyamory mostly as a set of behaviors in a relationship, followed by the potential of multiple relationships or feelings for multiple people, um, which these definitions also included uh, things like emotional, sexual, and ethical um, aspects. So for us, like super, super lay people, what does that mean, what you said? So yeah, it just means that uh, for the lay folks, as they defined it, as they understand polyamory, it was about um, uh, sexual behaviors and behaviors of a relationship, like maybe who you're taking out, and also possibly taking out dating multiple people mm -hmm. um, at one time. And that with the idea that there were certain things that they needed to navigate, like um, certain feelings that might arise, mm -hmm. certain se sexual aspects of relationship and components, and then uh, certain ethical aspects. 
um, people in consensual non-monogamous relationships uh, were more likely to define polyamory as a potential form of relating to other folks. Uh, They tended to focus more on interpersonal feelings and ethics, and they included a certain word in their definition. Um, Do you have an idea what that word is? And this is pretty popular when you talk about intimacy, sex, and other things. Are they talking about like swingers or something? No. (laughs) No. 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 We'll get there. This is like, this is like, tell me what you're, guess what I'm thinking. So, okay, give me another chance. Give me the, give me the clues again. Okay. (laughs) These are what lay people say. This is is what, this is what um, uh, folks who were engaged in consensual non- Oh, okay, these are the actual people. Okay. Yeah, they they tended to use this specific word when talking about what polyamory was. And this word in general, uh-huh. when people think of it, it's come up in our conversation more and more as we talk about sex, sexual behavior, practices, and mm. intimacy. Mm, I don't know. I would say, like, open. And sex education. I'll say sex education. Sex education. Specifically. If if you were doing sex education with your son, you would you would definitely focus on this. Positivity. <laughs> oh, that's great. But no. <laughs> yeah, you give up. I give up. You're gonna. I think you're gonna. Consent. Oh. Yeah, they often talked about consent in their I definitions. I see that. I would say consent that. and probably yeah, like that focus on consensual, right? Like cheating doesn't. Out, right like that's not polyamory but like intentionality right mm-hmm. on that okay that makes sense to me consent they're talking about yeah consent and their definitions and um specifically and navigating folks who are unwilling to engage in um yeah. consensual uh, non-monogamy so right uh to give you uh in another study by Rubel in Berlay in 2020 as you notice these studies are more recent because polyamory came into our lexicon more recently in mm-hmm. 1990 not that it didn't exist not that, that it didn't it exist was not studied but, uh, okay. it, it was not studied exactly okay and it was referred to as other things but um uh in this study uh that polyamory was uh, classified into three different aspects uh, it was classified as a belief or preference, mm-hmm. as a specifically as a relationship status, mm-hmm. and then also three as a relationship agreement, uh, with some including love and longevity as mandatory elements. Mm-hmm. So right, so the, the the idea is in terms of a research perspective, mm-hmm. we're we're not only studying what polyamory is, mm-hmm. but still being defined Correct. in a more scientific way. Gotcha. But, you know, the uh, ivory tower is always trying to catch up to what the people in the streets are doing. <laughs> so we got to go to the people in the streets. So uh, I thought it was important to do so. So um, in a Psych Central article by Dr. Lori Lawrence, who uh, tend to work with couples who are polyamorous mm. and different kind of uh, organized uh, relationships uh, that were engaging in polyamory, uh, there was here's some things that Dr. Lori said. She said, right, polyamory is a form of ethical monogamy. Um, it involves commitment uh, in relationships between two or more uh, people. Uh, typically, that uh, relationship is characterized by romance. Um, essentially, polyamorous means that you and your partner mm-hmm. um, have the option of dating other people. As a reminder, polyamory is not the same as polygamy. 
as polygamy involves being married to more than one person at one time, and it's illegal in the United States. We're going to kind of talk about that a little bit later. Mm. Um, uh, polyamory uh, doesn't necessarily involve marriage, but it can um, in some form, and we'll kind of talk about those forms. And then polyamorous relationships are also not necessarily sexual in nature, although they can be. Mm-hmm. And so when we kind of talk about, um, go back to your idea or question around sexual orientation, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring that idea back up. And so, you know, you talked about, uh, you've talked about your relationship many times mm. uh, in our podcast. And I'm curious, do you think you have the capacity capacity Mm -hmm. to have a romantic love for more than one person oh yeah definitely I think humans are super complex and I think we hold love for many people at one time as it is um it might not necessarily be romantic love but I I think easily it could be Mm. for sure yeah that's not a hard stretch for me to believe got you Mm. what would you see as the possible benefits or limitations of you. Polyamory? Yeah. Me you. specifically? You specifically, Ooh. dog. I'm a Scorpio. I, ah! Is there anything else ah! I need to say ah! about leave, that? Leave them alone. Just like, leave them alone in the first place. Uh-uh. Run, like, run the other direction, Like y'all. We, I think, in general, tend to love very hard and um, can be insanely jealous about mm. things, um, mm-hmm. like uh, borderline possessive. Mm. So I think me personally... <laughs> It would be, that would be hard to navigate for me. And for society, if you try to navigate it, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I would burn it all down. <laughs> um, that's what I'm saying. Like, I probably could engage, but if my partner would then choose to engage, it would, might be difficult. Yeah, it yeah. might be difficult. So it, it would be, yeah, that, that would be hard. I think so that could be a negative. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like from a positive standpoint, I'm a like, what can you do for me kind of person. <laughs> Clearly, she so, went a trip to the Turks and Caicos, as so she said. I'm like, earlier. okay, well, you know, it could it be a sister wife sort of thing? And, <laughs> <laughs> and you're cooking and cleaning because, you know, that was cool. Or, you know, you could wine and dine me. I guess that's cool too. But, like, practically, I would want some help around the house. And I don't know if it would lend itself to that. But a benefit could be more, you know, emotional support, actually tangible support. Uh, financial support a um so that would be that would be interesting and uh and good i think some of those polygamous relationships do benefit from polyamorous no no polygamous oh oh actual relationships like actual like sister wives situations i think that some of them do benefit from those sort Mm. of kind of situations and maybe that's why they're in those situations to begin with. For polyamory, you know, I imagine that some of those benefits still come, even though it's not a polygamous situation, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's interesting, like, you, you're, we're talking about this because I've noticed I really like young adult kind of books and, and um, shows and stuff like mm. that. I don't know. I just feel like I'm young, whatever. Okay. Love but it. I've noticed a lot of Netflix shows geared to young adults are having more of these um, polyamorous relationships. Mm. I don't know if you've noticed that, too. And it's not like a thing. Like, it's not like really, you know, um, kind of highlighted in the shows. It's just like, it is. This is like, they're in a, they're, they're both, they're, all three of them are going out. Yeah. And all three of them are in a sexual relationship. So it's just really interesting how, you know, media and film is pushing these ideas um, and these relationships kind of in a different way. 
um, than like the mainstream or research is. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that. Um, I came across an article that talked about uh, an article by Dr. Elizabeth Sheff that talked about there being like three waves of non-monogamy mm-hmm. and that we're basically um, in the third wave where part a big part of that third wave has been um, the impact of the internet, technology mm-hmm. and social media and making things more like commonplace mm-hmm. and that showing up. Um, so, but that brings me to this uh, next point that I kind of want to talk about, um, just because you mentioned it, which is like aware- the awareness and prevalence of uh, uh, polyamory. Mm-hmm. And so, as I talked about, the term was the term was actually coined in um, 1990s, and um, just used in reference to monogamy being the counter of monogamy. Um, but anyway, uh, it has been described as terms in the past, some of which you use, such as like swinging, mm. uh, right, or consensual non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, researchers such as Cardozo uh, 2010 uh, kind of noted the similar things that you have about um, the growing public's awareness of polyamory, mm-hmm. especially through things like um, internet and things of that. Um, they uh, In that same article, Cardozo talks about how these things haven't really been studied or measured, so the numbers aren't uh, very specific. But um, about 21% of singles in the U.S. have been in a sexually non-exclusive relationship at some point in their lives, uh, and they're with no association uh, with race, socioeconomic status, or education. And Did they know? Yes. Like it was like, like it explicit. Was, okay. Yes. And, but there were positive associations with being a male um, and with bisexuality or um, uh, same gender love. Um, so what does that mean? So that means that it was more common. Uh, oh. uh, sexual non-monogamy was more common among uh, men who uh, were gay or bisexual. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, another recent study um, of polyamory estimated that the point of prevalence is about 0.6% to 5%. Um, in the country or uh, yeah in the country with a lifetime prevalence so someone maybe uh, engaging in a polyamorous relationship to be either two percent to 23 percent oh wow Um, why do you think in certain groups it was higher like the um, kind of the associations of polyamory like within like gay or bisexual men's relationships was higher yeah going back to Kind of that article that I mentioned by Dr. Chef, uh, she talks about uh, in the second wave of uh, polyamory that, uh, just so you know, so to place it in a time context, this was, uh, she asserted, take place in like 1960s to 1970s. Mm-hmm. And I want to be clear that uh, this is her theory based on, based on research. Mm-hmm. It's not a like research theory in itself. Gotcha. Right? Uh, but she talks about basically um, how uh, gay and lesbian movements specifically uh, started to challenge and question um, uh, heterosexuality mm-hmm. and really uh, confront um, heteronormativity mm-hmm. in ways that allow them to um, like queer the idea of what does it mean to be in relationship, mm-hmm. uh, why does it have to look like couples and things like that. And around the same time, that's when swinging also got popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Essentially, uh, when you think about that kind of queer perspective of why it might be more prevalent in certain groups, 
Um, yeah, which is yeah, what I would right. guess, but I was shocked that that we didn't also see that same kind of association within women um, or same sex, you know, like lesbian couples or anything like that. Like it was just it's skewed towards men. Yeah, well, I think uh, within that study that was specifically mentioned, it's it's not it's not because of necessarily a a non-existence it's probably like research methods and population mm. yeah like sample size exactly okay gotcha. um, and so but it's interesting that you say like being surprised that like uh, women's numbers weren't the same um uh and remember right this research is fairly new so in practice and things one of one of the places we do see polyamory show up is um uh, folks who are lesbians, for sure, uh, and women specifically. Yeah. And so when we think about who desires to be polyamorous uh, and just in general, um, uh, Moores, Gesselman, and Garcia, 2021, recent, uh, uh, did a study that talked about uh, desire to engage in polyamory. And so their research showed that, uh, I guess, out of one out of how many people desire to engage in polyamory? You said one out of how many? Yeah. Desire to engage. I would engaging. say. I either want to say one of three or one of five. Um, I will say. I'll say one of three. It's one out of six. One out of six people. Maybe those other five are Scorpios. <laughs> one out of six people, 16.8% of the folks in the study desired to engage in polyamory. One out of nine people actually had engaged in polyamory at some point of their lives, and um, approximately one out of fifteen people reported that they knew someone who has been in or is currently engaged in polyamory. Uh, can you guess one out of what number of participants were not personally interested in polyamory? Participants. Yeah. So, so this is within other- a. This is within a study. And it's not just out of five. Like, it's like a ratio. Oh. How many weren't interested? Yeah. Like a percentage or like three of ten? You can say like one out of. Oh. Um, I would say five out of ten were not interested. So half. Yeah. No, it's one out of seven. Yeah. Um, So I'm not surprised. And they, uh, similar, because, right, this is a different study. They said a few sociodemographics uh, correlates did emerge. There was no difference in prevalence uh, based on, which was surprising to me, political affiliation, um, income, religion, income, religion, geographic region, race and ethnicity. Before I keep going to some of the other correlates, do you want to share your opinion? No, about I was that? just thinking about some politicians. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we are in election season. <laughs> Make sure y'all vote, y'all. Go vote. Yes. Uh, sexual minority, sexual minority men and younger adults, younger adults. So getting at kind of what you shared, right? Reported a greater desire to engage in polyamory. Uh, this is compared to uh, folks who are heterosexual, um, uh, older adults, and we do see uh, women in this place come in. Um, so, um, uh, right within that, it's like, um, women who, um, are also heterosexual, but sometimes, right. 
Uh, men and people with lower education backgrounds were more likely to have previously engaged in polyamory. This is compared to women and people with higher education backgrounds, respectively. Um, and given that emotional and sexual intimacy is an important part of people's lives, uh, th this is why uh, it's critical for um, a lot of this research was found in like um, counseling and therapeutic fields, right? And so uh, when we're talking about and working with folks as counseling couples and things like that and intimacy and relationships, it's important for us to know what people's desires are in general and around polyamory. Um, and so we, you kind of talked about why you wouldn't, <laughs> polyamory might not be for you. I mean, for my current relationship. Yes, 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 for your current relationship. <laughs> and also the benefits of kind of what you shared. Uh, some things uh, have been, been uh, someone did a research study uh, that was talked about the motivations for polyamory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they came up based on their results with a kind of eight component model uh, that seemed to be the major motivations. Mm -hmm. And so one of which was that I'm going to focus on this one is uh, fulfillment of needs not met in a monogamous relationship. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see like correlates very clearly, if not the same, but like in a mentoring relationship, like mm. obviously I'm in academia. And the big thing is having mentors. Like you must have a mentor, you must have a mentor. And it's a little bit like a relationship, right? Mm. Um, and the interesting thing is when people, you know, especially younger people come up, they want you to be their mentor. Like they want to get married without dating you, right? And so what I say to people is like you should get to know people and one mentor isn't going to fill up all you need. Right. So if that's true in an academic relationship, mm. then I can see in a romantic relationship over your lifetime, mm. you know, it's difficult for one person to fill all those needs. It's just not even possible, mm. right? So I can totally see how fulfillment of needs, like not being met in a monogamous relationship would be like number one. Mm. Like makes sense. Like one person, nor should they be able to fulfill all your needs. Yeah. But I think the emphasis generally has been like, well, you know, to be okay with that. Yeah, for sure. And this, um, you know, uh, I told you I was going to go back to that uh, kind of queer section that we kind of talked about, but this makes me think of um, why we might see it more in some kind of queer communities. So I was having a conversation with my friend, um, one of my good Judys, um, uh, about like why I have desires around open relationships or why I think like it's prevalent, especially in gay men communities. Now I share right, if you have two um, people who really love each other, mm -hmm. right, and they're both bottoms, <laughs> so the receptive partner, right, mm -hmm. I think it would be a shame to be like, we can't engage in or shouldn't in a romantic relationship just because you can't totally fulfill me. Like, I think that, right, is a, a thinking of in a heteronormative, like, oh, if you don't fulfill this sexual need, we can't engage in other romance and things like that together, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And instead, like, yeah, just open it up. <laughs> as hard as it is to- somebody who doesn't want to be a father. Yeah, yes, yes. If, like, like, yeah, we don't gotta, you know how hard it is to find uh same person with uh with money that's in therapy garage that got all they ducks in a row yeah you can't just be called it quits for that but 
So, right, and uh, the fulfillment that's talked about in the study is uh, is beyond just sexual, sure. right, fulfillment and in those other ways, right? Uh, no person can be everything to yeah. everyone, right? Uh, some of the other things they talk about within motivations for polyamory uh, were personal growth and autonomy, identity development um, and polyamory, expression of political views, exploring minority identities such as sexual fluidity and bisexuality, um, also pansexuality within that, um, a need to belong to a community, desire for sexual diversity, some psychodynamic reasons um, as well, which is uh, psychodynamic is just talking about attachment. So Nia, were there any of the other eight things that stood out to you? Yeah, I'm glad that the minority like exploration or whatever it was turned out better than I thought it was going <laughs> to turn out. But I, I do see the benefit in like trying to explore who you're, who you you think you are, who you're meant to be, and like kind of using polyamory as a way to help you navigate those identities. So yeah, well, you know, and the way I, I really appreciated that point because it makes me think about me coming to my own queer identity and I think right growing up in a um, heteronormative society you're sent messages of who you're supposed to be right mm. and what sex is supposed to look like what behavior is supposed to look like what intimacy what relationships are supposed to look like mm. from a heteronormative perspective but I think then when you come out as like gay right as i did you think oh okay so this is the end like i figured out i wasn't that i've arrived to where i am mm -hmm. which like i know for certain but for me right there was a step beyond that mm -hmm. uh right like uh arriving at gayness wasn't it for me mm -hmm. um because arriving at gayness then came with a set of also behaviors expectations mm -hmm. desires right even in terms with, okay, are you a bottom uh, top or verse? And now like recently in our lexicon has come out like side, which is the idea that someone doesn't like engaging in penetrative sex at all, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think, right, there's exploration there, um, but there are limits kind of at each, kind of can be limits at each spot. So what I appreciate is, right, the idea that someone might be in a relationship mm -hmm. and thought they were something like for me personally, I'm uh, attracted to um, can be like uh, masculinity or mass presenting. So mm -hmm. there's been times that I've gone to a gay club and I'm like, the sexiest person here is that butch lesbian. Like, I'm like, what's up? <laughs> like, girl, you, you want to make out? <laughs> like, you kind of cute. What's up? Spit your game on me, okay? Yeah, like legit, legitimately. And I've seen attraction there. And so what uh, I think provides like, polyamory can provide liberation and that like it allows you to still grow and figure yeah. out who you are yeah. when you feel like you haven't arrived and I'm just speaking from my experience because I don't know in my mind I would imagine that no one actually has to arrive mm -hmm. right at what that is but I I'm, don't want to say that it is not possible to arrive mm -hmm. right um at, at like at a point of uh, staticness or a lack of um, fluidity or dynamicness with in regards to sexual I identity or, or orientation or attraction but I just like that point that was made that there's like that exploration mm -hmm. that polyamory can allow for. I think that's really interesting I think in general right like society wants to classify people and put them into these little boxes yeah. like it makes sense of things and like I guess I understand 
understand that, but in general, like what you even said is just so powerful. It's like, okay, I shook off the nor- the label of like um, heterosexual, right? Because mm-hmm. that was not aligned with who I am. But then I kind of took on this other label of gayness. And that also comes with these unwritten rules mm-hmm. of like how to engage. And like, really, what does it look like if we just actually don't have any labels and we're just free and meant to be who we are? Yeah. So even when you were talking a little bit earlier about having like a conversation about sex ed with with my son, right? Like how do you like how do you say like I want you to just be who you are and yeah. not be like this is what gay looks like, this was what straight looks like, this is what you know bi looks like, or at all the other kind of um, iterations of like what we perceive sex to be or gender or any of that, right? Like how do you shake off those labels and just allow people to be and so allow them to explore those sort of identities and makes a lot of sense to me too. Yeah, I think uh, what I guess what I would kind of want our listeners to take away with and us kind of having this conversation and when you think about what have been the motivations for polyamory, like is the question, the question then becomes, right, is polyamory like, could it be for you? Is that something that you want to explore as a listener? And so one of the things that I think came up uh, when talking about polyamory was just uh, a need for education Um, because specifically there are a lot of terms and words that people should know that come with polyamory because there's a lot of setup. We started this conversation with talking about like what is the definition of polyamory mm-hmm. and and we even talked about when you talked about could polyamory work for you and you talked about like yeah if you ha- maybe had an extra partner but your partner didn't because of jealousy right and that is a certain um that exists within polyamory uh, those kind of setups and has its own name. And um, sometimes there's like a name that was like a meta, meta mirror, which is a part, which means your partner's partner that you don't have relationships with, yeah. right? And so there's different kind of setups and different kind of exploration. But I think the idea goes back to uh, kind of that point that you made with having a conversation with your son or what we should be telling people in society, like, like essentially do you, ethically and maybe with consent right (laughs) like that should be a part of it but also like there's a possible setup to basically getting your needs met and i think Mm -hmm. about maslow and different kind of things like that well i of course i think uh for my listeners i want to tell you go out and tell two people that you love Mm -hmm. them today and 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 maybe multiple people, right? And well, and you. and it doesn't have to be in a romantic context. Thank you. <laughs> I love me too. Ah, see how he does. See what, they do <laughs> see what they do. Don't let them into the wild. Oh my gosh, already there. Well, <laughs> as always, listeners, stay bold.